Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Money FM 89.3. It's now time for Market View. And today we will be talking about Singapore Airlines. Just how many passengers did they carry in the month of June? We'll tell you in just a bit. Or Tintin's got the details. But first. Closing bell. As always, a quick recap of how we started the day. Well, Singapore shares struggled to advance today following a mixed performance in global equity markets. So in early trade, the Straits Times Index was down 0.1% to 3,251 points. Nearly 69 million securities changed hands in the broader market. Now let's take a look at the closing numbers. The benchmark Straits Times Index closed a flat. It's down 0.01%. We are looking at 3,254 points. Points here. In terms of value turnover, that's $812 million. Now, gainers outnumbered losers 285 versus 273. Top advances for today Novo Telus Spec, Semcor Industries, and iFast. And top decliners Shangri La Hong Kong Dollars, Great Eastern, and Venture Core. Now, in terms of companies to watch, we do have Singapore Airlines. The national carrier announced its June operating results last evening, and the group carried 2.9 million passengers on the group level in June, up 50.4% from a year ago. Now, elsewhere from U.S. chip companies and the Biden administration officials discussing its China chip policy to Australian developer Land Lease, setting to cut uh, 740 jobs globally. We've got more international and corporate headlines for you today. And joining us as we take a deep dive is Kun Go, Head of Asia Research at ANZ. Kun, welcome to the show. Hi, good evening. And Gun, let's start with the Singapore stock market as usual. How did it fare today? Relatively flat, nothing much? Yeah, nothing too exciting. I mean, the banks did well, but uh, everything else was pretty lackluster. And it's just really following the lead uh, from Wall Street overnight. Uh, I think markets are just generally expecting uh, the upcoming earnings season from the US. Hopefully, they'll give us a bit more direction in the coming days. All right, Kun, uh, let's talk about uh, the biggest movers and sectors they lie in. Any of them caught your attention? Any, I don't know, surprises there perhaps? <laughs> no surprises. I mean, the whole index was only down what, 0.1, <laughs> yeah. so really boring day today. Just another Tuesday. <laughs> You're feeling the Tuesday. Okay, let's let's do this. This is something a lot more exciting. Maybe people can uh, identify with as well. Let's talk about Singapore Airlines. So June operating results were announced last month, of course, and passenger numbers uh, were up. Uh, cargo operations slightly weaker on demand. Uh, broadly speaking, though, is this a trend that we are expecting to see uh, among airlines as they continue to recover? Yes, most definitely. And for Singapore Airlines, don't forget June was also school holidays in Singapore, so that obviously helped with their passenger numbers. So if you look at the passenger numbers for June, they are uh, now only 6.8% below the December 2019 all-time high. So a huge recovery in passenger numbers, and uh, I think uh, SQ will be on track to uh, hit uh, all-time high in terms of passengers carried um, in the coming months. Now, in terms of uh, cargo, you know, cargo actually held up pretty well during the pandemic. Obviously, you know, um, freight uh, was one of the ways that uh, goods were being transported. But now, uh, with uh, you know the global economy still looking uncertain, we've seen exports from pretty much all around the region uh, down in double digits in some respects. Not surprising, air cargo, uh, which is pretty expensive to ship around. Uh, has also been uh, you know, trending lower. And I think this is something that we're going to see right across uh, the board. Hmm. And meanwhile, uh, from Singapore, let's take a look at what's happening in Malaysia. Uh, Kun, 
Malaysia's PM Anwar Ibrahim said China's Geely will invest 10 billion US dollars in making the Malaysian state of Perak into a major car making hub. Any initial thoughts? Do you think Singapore is putting itself in the race for the EV pie though? Well, first of all, Geely owns 49.9% of Proton, so yeah. not surprising that they are wishing to uh, expand and, in particular, you know, start to establish some kind of um, EV manufacturing mm. presence in Malaysia. Now, in terms of this particular announcement, I would say it's actually nothing new, and I would probably say it's a recycled news because Geely actually um, announced back in April that they were going to invest. 30 billion ringgit in uh, the development and commercialization of this uh, automotive high-tech valley in Tanjung Malim. So uh, I think it's a case of, you know, recycled news. Uh, mm. Of course, uh, we're still waiting to see whether or not this will actually eventuate and the timing of that. Uh, in terms of Singapore, I think at the end of the day, Singapore is a pretty small uh, country and, you know, for manufacturing, it's a very high cost base. Now, Hyundai is already, um, you know, setting up an assembly in Jurong uh, to assemble the Ionic 5. Uh, but, you know, the you know, manufacturing plant uh, has been uh, delayed till the end of this quarter. Um, I think eventually we'll start to see more in Singapore, but realistically, it's not going to be uh, a huge, massive EV producer. We're just not uh, have the scale or uh, the cost base to sustain such a large operation. Hmm. And talk about recycling news. I do want to recycle this piece uh, talking about Anwar saying that Tesla is set to set up some longer office after um, Anwar met with Elon Musk. So it seems like Malaysia is betting big on that EV race, yeah? Well, Malaysia and a lot of other countries are seeking to attract investment in EV. Indonesia has been also very, very active in trying to court Elon Musk as well. Okay, and if you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Kungo, Head of Asia Research at ANZ. Well, staying in Asia, let's take a look at Australian developer Landis. It will reportedly cut about 740 jobs globally, which represents 10% of its workforce. To what extent do you think that reflects the outlook for the commercial real estate sector? Does it suggest anything more than a, a move to right-size the company? Well, you know, commercial real estate globally is going through a pretty challenging environment right now. Mm. I mean, with uh, work from home um, and, you know, that, that's starting to see uh, you know, office vacancies pick up. That's affecting rentals and are not forgetting the higher funding costs that a lot of companies are facing. Uh, thanks to the aggressive tightening uh, cycle from the U.S. Federal Reserve, a lot of uh, companies that have their loans due for renewal will be fixing at a much higher rate. So not surprising, uh, companies like Landis and you will see many more uh, grappling with higher funding costs, uh, probably challenging revenue environment uh, will look to resort towards uh, controlling their cost base and at the end of the day you know the the labor force is still a significant portion of the cost base that most companies will look to try and uh, reduce and uh, while we are getting here to make our money work harder for us kun world bank's president ajay banga at uh, he's at the g20 finance meeting in india he has unveiled plans to make the world bank's balance sheet work harder and the new steps which are still being discussed with shareholder countries come on top of initial steps approved in April to boost the World Bank's lending by up to 50 billion US dollars over the next decade. Take us through that and also how would that bolster economies uh, in need of financing? Hmm. Well, the World Bank is, um, you know, 
tasked with uh, providing uh, critical uh, loan and financing to the developing world in order to develop their economies. And in the past, the World Bank has been accused of uh, you know, being somewhat too stringent, uh, which is why some uh, emerging and frontier economies in particular have turned to you know, other countries like you know, China and the Belt and Road Initiative to get financing. Um, so with this, uh, the new president, Banga, I think he's uh, keen to make sure that the World Bank uh, utilizes the, the balance sheet a lot more uh, aggressively because you know the world faces challenges, uh, particularly around climate change. A lot of developing countries do need a lot of assistance and resources in order to bridge and make that transition. Uh, and you know while the advanced economies have managed to you know uh, burn through coal to get rich. Um, the, the developing world can't do the same. So they really need as much assistance as they can. And the World Bank is in a prime position to do that. So what they're seeking to do is uh, issue more loans uh, while maintaining their AAA credit rating in order to ensure that you know, the developing uh, world uh, mm-hmm. can get sufficient assistance to tackle climate change and develop their economies at the same time. Mm-hmm. And before we let you go, Kuhn, the U.S. chip companies, we are talking about the likes of Intel, Qualcomm and NVIDIA, uh, they met with officials from the Biden administration to discuss their policy and stance towards China. Any clarity at the moment, do you think, or any guess as to where all of this is going to go given the export restrictions? Well, we know that... Uh, uh, the U.S.-China uh, tensions are you know, continuing to fester in the background, yeah. and there's been a lot of restrictions that the uh, U.S. is placing on U.S. companies in terms of what they can sell to China. Now, in terms of semiconductors itself, China is the single largest market. They account mm. for over one-third of uh, global semiconductor sales at around $180 billion. So all these ship companies obviously want to make sure that they can continue to have access and sell to the Chinese market and I think they are you know in part trying to uh, lobby or have greater clarity in terms of you know what kind of rules or how much more uh, restrictions that they might be facing in terms of um, you know making sales to, to China. Hmm. Thanks a lot Kun. That was Kun Go, head of Asia Research at ANZ. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation and risk tolerance.